You, the Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from everlasting is your name. Amen. My dear Christian friends, do you ever feel like a failure? You work hard all day. You come home and you're stressed and you do the one thing that you don't want to do. You take out that stress on the people you love most in the world with your short temper. You rush around all day long trying to go from one online meeting to the next, helping your kids with their homework, then carting them around to their extracurricular activities, and you're too exhausted to make a healthy dinner, and so it's chicken nuggets and french fries again. You know that your friend is anxious. You appreciate that she needs someone to reach out to her, but You are just not a very empathetic friend, especially not the kind of empathy that she needs right now. You want to get together with your aging parents. You don't know how much longer they're going to be around. They're lonely, and yet you're afraid that if you visit them, you might get them sick. Do you ever have days like this? Do you ever feel like this? That you don't, you feel like you're not a very good person spouse, parent, child, or friend. You feel like such a failure. Today we begin a four-part series on Christians in crisis. This morning we examine our guilt. When we fail, our failure produces guilt in us. And this guilt then drives us to do one of two things. It will either drive us to our knees in repentance before our God Or our guilt will drive us to run away and hide from God because we know that sin cannot be in the presence of our holy God. And and honestly, it's really hard to trust in God when you're feeling guilty. You know how much you failed God and failed those that God has placed around you. And so you have both head guilt and heart guilt. In your head, you know that you have failed all of God's perfect standards for godly behavior. And then that guilt settles down into your heart. If we're going to look for help in removing our guilt and look for encouragement in our failures, then maybe the last person we want to listen to is Isaiah. In our text, Isaiah is railing on God's people for their continued sin. He is reminding the people about their failures. He is emphasizing their guilt. He writes, All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a filthy cloth. All of us have withered like a leaf, and our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is no one who calls on your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. So you hid your face from us. You made us melt by the power of our guilt. So what does God think of our good deeds and our righteous acts? All of us have become like something unclean. All of us, Isaiah writes, Isaiah is indicting all of humanity with these accusations. And notice that Isaiah is not talking about your good behavior. He's not, he is talking about your good behavior. He's talking about all of the 
good and godly things that you think that you're doing, that you are a good spouse, a loving child, a, an empathetic friend, and a supportive child to your elderly parents. And yet, all of these good things of our unselfishness and our being considerate and godly and reverent, kind and compassionate, Isaiah compares those to God's perfect standards and he unleashes a heart-wrenching allegation. If we thought that we felt guilty before, Isaiah makes us feel even more guilty because we think our actions are so good but compared to God, he sees them as unclean, defiled, polluted. All of our righteous acts are like a filthy cloth. They aren't even a clean cloth. They are the most disgusting, soiled. They are the most detestable of all of our trash. All of this sin, all of this failure, all of this guilt makes us feel like dried up leaves skittering across the yard in an autumn wind. All of us have withered like a leaf and our guilt carries us away like the wind. So what do we do? Well, we do the exact opposite of what we should be doing. We should be falling on our knees before God in repentance. But that's not what we do. Isaiah says that there is no one who calls on your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. That we should be calling on God's name. We should be falling on our knees in humility. We should be pleading with God in our prayers. But instead, we don't want to talk to God. And then what is God's reaction? So you hid your face from us. You made us melt by the power of our guilt. That in reaction to our reaction, God hides his face from us. He turns his head from us and covers his ears to our pleas. So friends, if you felt like a failure before, how do you feel now? Better? Probably not. That's why the next word in verse 8 is so important. In Hebrew is vahata, but. But now is the opposite of what was happening before. But now, Lord, You are our Father. In spite of our sins, in spite of our failures, in spite of our refusal to come to God in repentance, in spite of falling on, our lack of falling on our knees in prayer, still God is not ashamed to call himself our Father and our Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for thousands, forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. God is not a harsh tyrant who is just looking to punish his underlings, but God is a father who holds you as his dearest treasure. Isaiah says, we are the clay and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. So God takes us as useless lumps of clay and he molds us into beautiful objects of love. He takes all of your brokenness, your 
heartache, your pain. And he uses that to mold you into vessels to serve. And not just any old vessels, but vessels in service to the king of kings. God expends so much effort in making you into his new creation. St. Paul says, for the old has gone, the new has come, that you were once dried up, useless, broken pieces of useless clay, but God uses everything in your past. He uses your heartaches, your pain, your surgeries, your divorce, your depression, your doubts, and your debt. He even uses 2020, which seems to be going on about five years right now, and to mold you and shape you into God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works for God's kingdom. You see yourself as a failure, but God sees you as a chosen piece of art. He uses all of your trials to mold you, and then he uses all of that pain and suffering to be a fire, to harden you so that you become valuable to him. Though you may feel like no one else values you, your God is your creator and your potter. He forms you into something of eternal, infinitesimal value. A value that no one could purchase with gold or silver, but could only be purchased with the divine blood of the Son of God. Friends, do you feel like so much depends on you? Depends on you to be a good parent, a good spouse, a good child to your elderly parents, a good friend to those around you. And when you fail, then it feels like you failed everyone around you. But notice that Jesus does not demand that you accomplish the task that he has set for you. He only demands of you to accept his invitation. To accept his invitation to believe that he's accomplished all of the tasks that really need to be done in life. In a few weeks, we will celebrate the birth of the innocent Savior. He collected all of your filthy tasks. He took all of your family failures. He carried all of your guilt on himself. He exchanged all of your filthy rags for the white robes of his righteousness. Peter told us today, he suffered once for sins in our place, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. On the cross, the Lord, the Heavenly Father, poured out every ounce of his wrath upon his Son. He crushed Jesus with his punishment so that he could mold you with his forgiveness. He executed punishment on his own Son so that he could shape you as his son or his daughter. Without Jesus, God turns his head away from you because he cannot look on you in your sin because sin cannot be in God's holy presence. But with Jesus, God not only turns his face toward you, but he shines his face on you in blessing. 
through Jesus. Your sins are paid for. Your failures are forgiven. Your guilt is gone. And so your identity is not based on what you do or don't do. Your identity is based on who Jesus is and what he has done for you. This is who you are, not any of the roles that you play, not pastor, not parent, not spouse, not employee or friend or child. None of those things define who you are. Because if you are defined by those roles that you play, you're always going to feel anxiety because those roles are always going to be threatened. They're always going to change. So you are not the roles that you play. You are clay. God is the potter. You are the work of his divine hands. And you cannot forget that. Because if your identity is a mom you're always going to feel like a failure because you, you didn't do as much as you thought you could get done that day. If your role is a pastor, then you know early on in the ministry there's always more work to be done than can ever be done. If your role is a pretty good person, then all you need to do is listen to Isaiah to destroy your image of yourself. But your identity is one that cannot be taken from you. It cannot be stolen from you. That's because your identity is not what you do or don't do. Your identity is Jesus, who he is and what he has done for you. As Peter said in our second lesson day, your identity is made firm in your baptism that now saves you. Your guilt in your mind makes you think that Jesus could never forgive the things that you've done. The guilt in your heart makes you believe that though you keep on hearing that Jesus forgives you, that you don't feel forgiven. To keep these feelings at bay, you need to keep hearing the facts of what Jesus has done for you. Done for you in the crib, on the cross, out of the grave, and on heaven's throne. Keep receiving the factual forgiveness that Jesus gives you over and over again in his word, in his words of absolution, in the waters of baptism, and in the body and blood of his sacrament. This is the path to emotional healing. Then you will know forgiveness in your mind. Then you will feel forgiveness in your heart. Friends, you're going to fail. But Jesus is your success. You will sin. But Jesus forgives that sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west. You will feel guilty, but Jesus removes that guilt and replaces it with a godly purpose. You're going to feel worthless and useless, and yet you are God's clay. Every pain and pleasure, every guilt and joy, every depression and success is a part of God molding you, shaping you, and firing you. God does not make junk. You are his masterpiece. Amen.